A group of camp counselors are stalked and murdered by an unknown assailant while trying to reopen a summer camp which was the site of a child's drowning and a grisly double murder years before. Join Final Girl Casey, Memphis Menace Rick, the godfather of Droll James, and me, Billy Graves, for Friday the 13th. Welcome to another Slashers and Screamers. We are a Slasher Sports production. Guys, you know we had to commemorate the holiday with the reason for the season, the original Friday the 13th, right? Woo! That's right. Didn't catch that cue. I didn't catch that cue. I missed the cue. I thought it was a rhetorical sentence. (laughs) No, there's nothing rhetorical on this show, guys. There's no rhetoric. I thought we were meant to ponder. Well, you know, we can we can ponder, but pondering doesn't really come across on a podcast because once I get that silence out, it's going to sound fantastic. Like we were in the middle of the Gettysburg Address, you know. It's real formal. Oh yeah. So like, we also got to commemorate something else with our birthday boy that we're about to drag into this mess. So I don't want to, you know, keep everybody waiting with any long introductions, but we've got a special guest this week to help us get through it all. Uh, He's from the city so nice they named it twice, New York City, the other name is Queens, a veteran of the stand-up game and a very good friend of ours, Mr. James Alexander. Welcome to the show, fam. Yes, yes, sir. You know, the last time we talked, I guess, in sort of in person on Skype, was uh, on the Baseball podcast, and uh, a lot of shits happened between now and then. This is a whole different scenario, a whole different setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Well, this is the one that started it all for me. All right. Well, actually, it was part two specifically, but it was this franchise that sucked me into the, you know, the the bloody genre of film, and and, and like I've not been able to crawl back out of the hole, no how no matter how much I claw and scratch. But you know, Alexander, I don't know if horror is your thing in general, but uh, I know you're a fan of this film in particular, right? Oh well, this is the thing, right? And I'm gonna just age myself, right? I'll be at, at the at midnight. I'll be 53 years old. Right? So so. That's that that that's that's how far back I go back. But, but when I when I watched it, I haven't seen this movie since nineteen eighty three. Like that was, I, I saw it, it, it was on it was on regular T V and when I watched it, it kinda reminded me of just what the time was. Like a lot of people don't remember, like there was no cable. There were no VCRs, right? So if you were a little kid, you didn't see like R rated horror movies. Mm-mm. There was no there was no there was no bloody video game. So something like Friday the thirteenth was like that was huge watching that many people get slashed and cut up it was it was something that that you know right now i think we would be been desensitized because we've had access but back mm-hmm. then 
22 I was 13 that was a brand new that was a brand new thing to see and it scared the shit out of me it, just, <laughs> it, it scared the shit out of me it, when I watched it this time I watched it on Sunday and I was just laughing I was laughing it, it still got me a couple of times but I was laughing about I was like this this scared me I couldn't even sleep and my grandfather he got mad at me because he said I was too big to be scared not that I was too old <laughs> Too big. Yeah. 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 I, was, I was 12. I looked like I was 16, but I was still 12. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an adult granddaddy. But I, but they I, can't yeah, make I mean, me go to war this year. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't I, even I drive a car, but I'm too big to be scared. That's amazing. Yeah, well, was, I, was that your first uh, experience with, uh, with horror flicks? Something like that. Cause remember, before then, I mean, all you, all you would see is maybe, an old Vincent Price movie, like at two in the morning, or Frank, like you really didn't like. There was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was out, but nobody I knew had seen it. No other twelve year olds. We, we just didn't have access back then. Like you really, you really couldn't go see an R rated movie. You know, there was oh, always yeah. somebody who, had a, there was always somebody who had like a cool older brother or a cousin or something that would take them, but I didn't have it. So yeah, that was the first time I had ever seen gore. Like that's you know that's the whole thing. Like the movies I've seen, you know, it was always go to commercial right when they got you know it was it was spooky. Hitchcock was spooky. It wasn't it wasn't gory. So yeah, that was the first time I had seen you know when I was watching the kills. I, I remember I was like I forgot about the arrow through the neck. Like, For I, sure. I forgot about all that shit. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> at the time. I never seen anything like it. Well, yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch you know the nudity. And I wasn't allowed to watch the killing, and and that's like that's I guess what drug you know drug me into it though. Once my parents split out the house for date night, and I'm left with a a sister who's only six years older than me. She don't want to mess with me. She don't want to be. She wants to do her own thing. Well, when that VCR is vacant, I'm gonna go digging through them movies, you know. And I'm I'm pushing you know the X-rated stuff out of the way because why do I need to see that? I want this thing that my parents told me not to watch specifically, and I need to look at the tape and see how far it is, see what the tape looks like. That way, I know where to rewind it after I finish it, so the parents don't think I've been watching it, you know. So I, yeah, I, I guess I, you you treat you treated it like porn. I did treat it like porn. <laughs> Today are doing the same thing. Put together. 
um, if that commercial came on and I was at the babysitter's house and I came into the living room, I was, you know, about face and heading back out. It was the, I remember specifically, this was the thing that scared me the most as a kid. Vincent Price on a tile, like Tile X or liquid tile or some kind of commercial like that. But, uh, Casey, same question. Okay. So my, are you afraid of Vincent Price and Tile X? Just kidding. Your first experience in horror. I am not scared of Vincent Price at all. Um, (laughs) But uh, my first experience with horror that I remember is a remake of one of his movies. I was probably six or seven, and I was with my best friend at the time, and she put on House on Haunted Hill, the Jeffrey Rush, Famke Jensen version from the late 90s. Oh, yeah. And that spawned two things, a love of theme parks, because the opening is in a super creepy theme park. And also a love of horror. So that was my origin story, I guess. I remember when that one came out. So it was around hmm. that time. We saw it pretty soon after because I think her dad had rented it or something. You know, that's one of the better remakes, though. Like I love that movie. You... We're definitely doing it on the podcast at some point. Oh, for sure. The remake or the original. Don't care. Yeah. Love them both. JB, I know you're going to shit on the question somehow, but uh, like, was there something before your dad sat you down and forced you to watch Evil Dead? What was the question? God damn it, James. <laughs> Your first experience watching horror flicks. I was a young lad. Oh. Probably <laughs> around four or five. And I remember going with my dad to the movie store. And he would pick out horror movies to watch on the weekend. I had that to be a man and watch them with him, Bill. Be a man. And every one of them happened in Bethpage, which is right down the road <laughs> from where we live. So I was scared to death. And I hate watching scary movies to this day. And that is why but you're here. on a, a lighter note, I remember this movie Friday the 13th. The first time I saw it was over at your house. You saw it at my That was the first time you saw this? You said, buddy, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> And I watched it out of the side of my eyes because I hate watching <laughs> scary movies. Well, okay, I, I, Alexander, you 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 aged yourself. I'm going to age mine. Um, there was a restaurant back in like the late '80s that ter- ended up turning into Ponderosa. It used to be called Bonanza. Okay, um, it was one of those. I don't know, James, what would you call it? It was like a steakhouse, but it also had like the buffet and it was most known for its buffet. Almost like a yeah, rhyme. Like, yeah. like a golden corral. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Alexander, just like a, a sizzler or something. It, that buffet was, you know, it was the shit. Well, at a certain age, they trusted me to stay home with, you know, my sister and I had to wait until they would go on date nights. And like, listen, my stepdad did not make a lot of money back then. He was a welder. And he was helping raise, uh, you know, three kids that were still in the house and uh, on like, you know, eight bucks an hour, which in 1986 is not a lot of money at all. So they they really cherished those date nights. I cherished the date nights because it meant they were getting out of the house and I was jumping into that closet. Okay, and uh, like I said, man, I'm pushing girls of cell block F out of the way. Okay, I don't want to see Indiana Joan. Or Rambone. No. I want to see Friday the 13th. But it was actually part two that did it for me. Like I said. But Alexander, another origin question, man. How did you end up in the stand-up game? Oh, um, it was one of those things where I started late. It was like, like I wanted to, I was like maybe 25 and I wanted to do it, but I didn't have the confidence. Oh, your grandpa said, you're too big to be scared. I wanted to do it. 
Yeah, this always, it's always been, yeah, you know, but I, I would go to the clubs and I would see, this is like, I mean, like, like Chappelle was coming up, Dane Cook was coming up, Bill Burr was, these guys were coming up, so you would see these guys on like a Monday or Tuesday. It wasn't like they, they, they weren't, they weren't headliners yet. And I just remember thinking, I was just like, you know what, like, I could do this. I, I couldn't do what they were doing. I was like, I can do something like this. But it took me a good 15 years to finally have the car. I think I turned 40, had one of those. Like okay, if you're not gonna do it, then you're never gonna do it. So that's that's one of those things. I, yeah, I went to an open mic and I was like, if I get one laugh, I'll come back. And I got like two or three laughs, and I came back. And then after about a month in, I was like, okay, I was I was right. Like you know what I I was kind of glad that I waited because I had my voice. It was like I knew who I was. But you know, at 25, I was trying to be a rapper. I was trying to, I, I was trying to be like eight different types of people. But by the time I was 40, I was like, I know who I am, and so. Yeah, so then once I, once I started, man, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, all right, this, this works, works. So was there somebody you tried to emulate early on, or did you just name those guys? No, no, I mean, no. You... no, 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 I, I was them. And then later on, once, you know, once, they, once, they, once they started getting famous, I was like, I remember seeing these guys. But I, that's when I realized that, you know, you don't just start out being amazing. You know, you start out by, you, you're working, you're working stuff out. Like, it, it wasn't like they were killing it. You know, I was seeing them, they were funny, but it wasn't like the, the version that we that, that everybody knows now. So it let me know early, like, you know what, you're not going to be amazing one or two years in. You know, It's going to be a while before before you can go into a room and be like, right, I'm going to kill this. You know, and, and it takes a while, but it was good to see it because I saw them on the come up. So when I started, you know, I wasn't in a big hurry. I knew that I was like, just keep working, keep getting more confident, keep trying to come up with original material and, and you know, and just keep going. So it was one of those things where, where uh, it's, it's funny, the first five years, it's all fun because you can't believe you're doing it. That's it. You just can't believe it. You're finally on stage. And then the, the, from years five to ten is when the business side comes in. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I want to get this. I want to get in this festival. Uh, how, how did this person get on late night? And I didn't. You, I mean, once you start doing that, then you're just sabotaging yourself. So I've always tried to be like, I'm not competing against the comedy industry. I'm just competing against my last great set. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's how I, whatever. Every time I go up, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm competing at the last time I thought I really did well. That's that's how that's how I, I just, you know, I don't look around and be like, I can't believe that Michael Che is on this neck. He started like a year before I did. So, you know, I would see Che at all the little thing, little bar shows. He used to do, I used to produce a bar show and he would be on it. Jermaine Fowler would be on it. Uh, a lot of people that are on TV now, you know, it was just coming up in the scene. Chris Stefano, uh, Alex, uh, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of the New York comics. So once they started getting things, if, if you, if you, if you're jealous, then you're just gonna, you're just gonna kill yourself. You're just gonna be in your own head, and you can't be funny if you're mad. I can't. Well, I mean, I, I think you're the, you know, the perfect guy to bring on as our first guest, man. And I think I speak for everybody when I say that we're really appreciative that you take the time to come out on our little, you know, presentation here. So you're, you're a real one, fam. Oh yeah, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, when I did the baseball thing uh, with you guys, I told you I was like, whatever you need me, let me know. You know what I mean? I, I, I'll suit up because it's, it's just, you know, it's fun. To and, this and day, was... to this day, that's the most downloaded episode that I've that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Let's let's see what we can do with this one. That's good. That's good. Well, Thank the first one didn't do shit for me, so you know, I guess this one's. <laughs> <one's good. laughs> yeah. Well, you know what though? Same thing. You just keep you keep swinging. You keep you know talk that's about things that interest you and. There's an audience of people that feel the same way. You know, everybody has, you know, everybody who's into horror, or even if you're not into it, you still remember when you first saw, you know, that vivid horror experience. So that's good. And 
it, it was it was and I'm glad I did this because watching it I watched it on Sunday and it was it was it was it was good because one I got nostalgic but two I was laughing at some of the plot holes I was like like some <laughs> of the plot holes it was like I know that we're jaded now and everybody thinks they can write or this and that but some of this shit some of this some of this shit it, I was I was laughing so I had to rewind it I had to rewind it because once it's once it's over <laughs> then you think back you think back to to the stuff that happened and I was like you know what. I was here. Here's what had me laughing the first, right? The you know the, the the killer. We all know who the killer is by the end of the movie, right? Uh-huh. The first nine kills, quick and clean, quick and clean, <laughs> no hesitation, no 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 starts, no stops. She got to that last chick and she tried to kill her seventeen goddamn times, <laughs> and everything was clumsy. And she's throwing shit. She's getting knocked out. I was like, I was like, didn't you just throw a chick through a window? <laughs> like literally ten minutes ago, I don't know how you did it. I don't know what kind of upper body strength you have, but you threw a dead body through a window to intimidate this chick. You you hung a grown man upside down off a tree. You did all that, and then you got to this last one, this little last little timid girl, and you had your hands full. And I was she like, met her match. Like, I'm telling you, but it was like there was nothing to be seen. Like I could see if oh, anybody else put up a fight. But no, all the other ones, one, two, three. She got to that last. I don't know, maybe she was tired. She got the old girl. That's what it was. She was tired, she man. Yeah, she probably should have went to a diner and got, got some pancakes. Well, you know, with, with like, Steve okay, and his 10-hour lunch. Yeah. I was like, why in the hell is she having all these problems? And then even the... Like the, the 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 survivor, she knocked this she knocked this woman down three times and never finished her off. She hit. Well, she's she not hit a her, killer. Like, well, you know, until the end. Then she finally <laughs> had to get mad enough. That, that's what it took, though. It took almost getting killed eight times to be like this shit got. And seeing all her friends disappear. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, that tears that tears me. Yeah, Rick. It was, it was it was funny, man. I I I, I was laughing. Rick, give us that rundown before we get into the granular details of this thing, man. All right, man. So uh, we did uh, Friday Thirteenth Part One. Uh, it was directed by Sean Sean S. Cunningham, who is from Alexander's hometown of New York City. Um, he did a lot of other horror films. He did. He was helped collaborate on Last House on the Left with Wes Craven. Uh, he did the movie House. He did House Two, Second Story. Um, <clears throat> came out in uh, May 9th, nineteen eighty. Um, some of the notable people. Uh, there's a lot. Just going to cover kind of the main ones. Uh, Adrian King was Alice. Uh, she's best known for um, Saturday Night Fever. She was in the movie Hair. She was in Friday the 13th Part 2, the, Steve Mike, uh, the sequel. Uh, Harry Crosby was Bill. Um, couldn't really find much on him. Says he's actually a former film and television actor on Wikipedia. And he's an American investment banker now. So I don't think uh, he acts he's, anymore. He's Bing Crosby's, Bing Crosby's uh, kid. Yeah. Oh, well. I didn't know that's that. about all. Yeah, that's about all I know about him. Uh, Jeannie Taylor was Marcy. Says basically she's done like Broadway stuff and just kind of really minuscule roles. Laurie Bartram was Brenda. Couldn't really find a lot on her. She's best known as an American actress and ballet dancer. Kevin Bacon. Seems that's a theme with this movie. A lot of people come from stage in, in, right. in this flick. Uh, Kevin Bacon is a huge one. Uh, man, he was in. Also a ballet dancer. It's uh, was this his first film, Billy? Am I, I think right it's on? like his fourth. Animal House. Animal House is his first movie. Okay, he was in Footloose. He was in A Few Good Men, Apollo Thirteen, Mystic River. Uh, he was in Crazy Stupid Love. He was in every Tremors. movie known I, to man. I could go Serve Echoes, Wild Things. 
There's All a reason there's a game centered around this guy. Like name I mean, James Alexander is probably five degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon, yeah, and I'm seven, okay. so I don't qualify. Um, and then I mean that's uh, Walt Gorney was known as Crazy Ralph. Who was in Legend. part two as well, uh, and he was in uh, New Blood, uh, 1988, as the narrator. And then of course uh, Betsy Palmer. Voorhees. She was really well known as a Broadway actress and television guest star as a panelist on the game show I've Got a Secret. And then she played his mom in Friday the 13th. And of course, Jason was Ari Lehman. I don't really know what else he was in besides this movie. This. So. I just now, now I can now I have to picture Bing Crosby watching that movie. You know, one of the greatest <laughs> actors of all time sitting there and, and his son looking at him like, what do you think, Pop? He's like, yeah, that's great. Great girl. How about you be a banker? How about, I, I think <laughs> banking is for you, son. Yeah. And what's uh, fucked and, up and, is Bill was one of the better actors in this movie. Yeah. So, so that tells you the caliber. Is when you told me that Crazy Ralph was in the second one, right? Uh-huh. Now, in the first one, Ralph was 100% accurate with what he what he warned him about. And they still called him crazy in the second one. <laughs> he should have been like, oh, oh, my name is Ralph, motherfucker. My name is Ralph. No more Crazy Ralph. It, just I playing said, Ralph. Doom. I said, leave or doom will befall you, and there you go. So, how about you give me my flowers? Is this a Mount Rushmore movie for horror? No, only because I didn't. <laughs> I, to me, because I, I, it, it was, it was, a, it was. You know what? It was a springboard because you have to have the hockey mask. That's that's the Mount Rushmore. The first time you get the hockey mask, part two. If you're gonna take a fight to the team, that's the one that created. You know the night, the, the Jason. Mm-hmm. So this this one was a good story, and you needed that one. But you you have to to me you have to get to Jason to that. That's what established it. That's what that's that's the legacy. You you saw that hockey mask, and that's all you need to see. And you know everything about it. I guess my question is: Is this franchise a Mount Rushmore horror? Uh, is it, I, the, the reason I ask this is because I'm kind of torn on it. I always think about. You know, I think about this and then I contradict myself, but like it's a it's a personal Mount Rushmore, I guess. But every time someone brings up the Mount Rushmore debate, I find myself saying Friday, Halloween, Nightmare and Chainsaw. But you know what I'm doing there? I'm only putting movies in the slasher genre. It's not fair at all. Like, there's so many other subgenres to uh, to horror. Like last week, we uh, reviewed uh, Your Next which falls in the home invasion category. There's supernatural, such as, uh, you know, The Exorcist. You got the teen screams, like Scream, and I know what you did last summer. You got zombie flicks, all the Living Dead movies. So, knowing that, I can only put one slasher film or franchise on Mount Rushmore, and it has to be Halloween, because this one built off of the success of Halloween, and basically, this movie is what would happen if Halloween and the movie Meatballs had a baby. That's basically what it is. That's pretty yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a very unlikely different film, but I mean, it, it makes sense to me. Um, but you know, Friday is quite clearly aimed at the younger crowd, or at least who would have been young in 1980. You know, you've got the the the, the barely 20 uh, years old actors. Uh, you got the the sex scenes. You got the quick jump scares. It's all geared towards you know what we wanted to be young and cool and good looking and not dead, yeah. but. What's funny about this is in uh, 1980-1981, Friday the 13th, the original, was nominated for the best film at Mistfest. Okay, this is a uh, you know sci-fi horror type uh, you know movie festival. 1981, which would have been the you know the batch of movies that came out in 1980, it was a nominee for worst picture 
by the Razzie Award. So I just wonder, like, why is there such a such a, a polar opposite reaction to movies like this? Some people call it grotesque and, uh, you know, poor uh, uh, poor taste, where others say, man, this is like, this is really the one. This this is the fucking one that I love. Why is it like that? Well, I, I just think it's a matter of taste. I think people that enjoy that genre will 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 like the things that they that they that you know they're they're into it. So it, it's like any it's like this any any subgenre in music and film. Those fans are going to be hardcore. Now the so-called critics, the so-called elitists, the so you know the, the critics that they they you know what they're going to be looking at. Well, the cinematography sucked, and the dialogue was stilted, and this and that. There, so they're, they're picking it apart. Where somebody who's into it, it's almost like you, like 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 really, you're you're a fan of wrestling, right? So somebody could give you 18 reasons why you shouldn't watch it, and you could give them 35 reasons why they should go to hell. Well, I'll give them 35 reasons why they shouldn't watch it because it is terrible. Yeah. But man, it's my kind of terrible, you know. And that's, that's, and that's, 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 and that's, that's how I look at, at something like this. It's it, it's your kind of. Oh, it's your kind. It's your kind of scene. It's your kind of vibe. And that's fair because going back to this movie, just looking at the scenery from the movie, seeing the different cabins, the uh, the, the the bathroom, the boathouse, like this is all scenery that was replicated for the the video game that dropped in like twenty, I think eighteen or so. And I wear this game out to this day. And it's uh, amazing. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's fantastic for fans of the movie. Other people like this one that's kind of similar called Dead by Daylight. I'm not a fan. But the Friday the 13th game, you've got your little archetypes of uh, counselors. You, you get to pick between like eight different Jasons. Uh, you, you know, you run around, repair vehicles, try to escape the map before Jason kills you all. It's great. And every map is from a movie. So the Crystal Lake map is from this movie specifically. And seeing them go into each cabin and, you know, lay in the bed, you know which cabin this guy got killed in. You see the right. boathouse, you see the restroom where they were like washing their face or whatever. And it, it was just ridiculous to see that replicated in a video game. Well, <laughs> hey, Rick, you remember the first time you played that, <laughs> the game with me and uh, <laughs> that dude shot you in the gut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Dude, we had some good times on that man <laughs> so um rick is playing this game with me for the first time I, t- I talked him into buying it it was like 30 bucks it was you know kind of cheap for a video game i said hey man just stick with me and you know I'll, I'll make sure that you don't get killed right off the bat and we'll try to escape and you'll learn the ropes and well we go into a cabin like he and i and i kind of ran around a corner because i heard the music pop up and when the music hits you know jason's after your ass he's like in your vicinity right and so i duck up under a bed before rick um comes around the corner he doesn't he's like where are you where are you and this other dude comes in and this is before they um before they fix the team killing stuff so like another counselor could just come up to you and like beat the shit out of you with a baseball bat and you would die eventually. So, like, a bunch of trolls, you know, would, would jump on and do that. Well, a dude comes into the door, and Rick sees him. He's like, Billy, is that you? <laughs> the guy pulls down his <laughs> rifle and just blasts Rick in the chest. And I'm watching Rick from under the bed. And it's like it's looking through a keyhole because it's like a little circle. And I just see Rick, like, laying dead looking at me like this. His, his face is turned towards me, and I'm laughing my ass off. And poor Rick is like, what the fuck was that? Rick... <laughs> I'll like never forget that. That's like, that's like a scene in a real movie. It is. Yeah. There's your buddy. Yeah. Self-preservation. 
But, you know, self-preservation is helping your guys get everything put together so you can, you know, escape or whatever. But, man, poor Rick. I, I'll never forget that, though. But, you know. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, good time. <laughs> well, you got to do that soon, Bob. But, you know, Friday the 13th, like so many others, has this cold open that uh, it kind of opens the door and leaves all the questions that need answered. You know, we, we've got two dead camp counselors before my popcorn even soaked up all the butter that I put on it, you know? So controversial statement here, but I would have rather been those two kids getting murdered than have spent one more moment in that fucking sing-along. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, could... like, I like I, I like how he was subtle. He was subtly giving her the, the minute this song is over eyes. He was just sitting there like, the, the, the very <laughs> second, the, the second this song is over, it's me and you. The it's last chord. Yeah, okay, yeah. Last yeah, chord and, oh yeah, and we're going to Pound Town. But you yeah. know, my my favorite part of this open by a light year is in the moments that the killer is about to stab the girl. There's that slow motion shot with the, you know, the very familiar evil screeching violin. Like, I don't know if it's the whole combination of it or specifically the slow motion, but I can tell you right now that the slow motion shot gives me like an extra evil feeling every time I watch it. There's something about that. Um... Because it's not like your regular slow motion. It's not like watching, you know, slowing down Usain Bolt while, while he crossed the, you know, the, the finish line. This is a different kind of slow motion, almost like they took out a frame in between each one. And it, the slow motion makes it for me. Yeah. Did anybody else get that vibe? Well, this is what, the, the, the girl that jumped out of the Jeep? No, no. This is the one uh, in the attic. You know, the, the, the two kids that leave the little sing-along. And uh, oh, we yeah, weren't yeah, doing yeah. anything. Yeah, when she gets the girl, you've got that slow motion, that, that slow motion shot. Yeah. For me, that is a different a different thing altogether, just a, a different eerie type feeling, you know. But, you know, everything about the early Friday films, especially one and two, to me is just elite horror. Uh, you, you know when you hear the Halloween theme, you know, everybody can pick it out. You, know, you play it in a haunted house and people of, like, all ages lose their shit, like. I get that feeling about the music from these two films. Like, part three had it as well, but three did get a little bit campy. There, there's nothing campy here. This is bad vibes all the way, and it remains that way, like, today as much as it ever did. Yeah, every 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 kid my age knew how to do the... Like, that was a, you, just, you just learned that. You just, every, and you just walk around behind somebody. And, <laughs> and they're like, stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Billy, you don't think any of this is campy? I don't know, because campy is... Um, like intentional humor, right? Not necessarily. James, did you go behind her and uh, hit her with it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, you know, I, I, that's my definition of camp. Like, I, I see, like, the, the original Batman uh, TV series with Adam West. I see that as campy because it was intentional, but it was, uh, you know, it, it was humorous. It, it was a serious subject matter, you know, fighting crime, but with all this very droll type humor. I don't, yeah, I don't see anything. This one I didn't see. I, I think they were, they were, the first one, I think they were really trying to make a true horror movie. I don't think they were going for laughs. Even if they were laughs there, I don't think that, it didn't seem like that was the intent. Part three opens with campiness, with the guy eating the fish food and like picking the rabbit out of the, out of the lettuce section of his produce stand. And uh, it, to me, that's just a, a different level of campy. And I, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, Maybe I don't know the true definition of, of campy, but I, I, I think, didn't get that. I mean, that. like, I know that oftentimes it's for, like, a humorous effect, like, exaggerated and stuff like that. But I think there are plenty of movies that were made with, like, clear intention of not being 
something silly to be made fun of that ended up that way just through generations. But is that I think what camp, point, is that the definition of camp though? I mean, words can take different effects over years, but what I'm saying is over the years, something that didn't used to be something like silly or made fun of can be now. And I think this movie is something that could fall on that line. Like it's definitely exaggerated. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. And as we're talking about the movie, I'd like you to point out those parts. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll Crazy it. Ralph is everything. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'll Even give the guy that. in the car who calls her a stupid kid like forty-seven times. Well, if you were, if like, I was driving you to ridiculous. a camp where I knew you were going to meet your death, I'd call you a stupid kid too. Okay. Well, no, you no, call no, me no. a stupid kid thing. anyway. But but here's the thing: like like whatever happened happened eighteen years earlier. So it wasn't like there was a bunch of murders. That so that was that like that was they really. Like, they really jumped onto that, oh, it's going to happen again. Yeah, the fact that it happened again, it proved them right. But they, they really, you know, 18 years was a really long time. They were really banging on those murders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, it was almost like, they was like, they needed that. Like, I told them, I told them, didn't we tell them? Didn't we I've tell them? I've been telling child for the past yeah, yeah. 14 I was, years. I was, I was eating my pie. Yeah, there's, there's like 14 years of kids saying, that shit didn't happen when we were there. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> credits are over the opening credits are over we meet annie uh, uh a hitchhiking hammer oh wait did i say hammer that's right i did and before i move no. on any further i am presenting the slashers and screamers hammer award for episode 13 to the freckle-faced immaculate curl having sweetheart of a gal annie played by robbie morgan who says no i say no I mean, it's okay to be wrong. Fervently. I don't know what fervently means, but it's still wrong. I insist that you're wrong. You tell me somebody who deserves a Hammer Award more than Robbie Morgan, a.k.a. Annie. A man that I am four degrees from. Kevin Bacon is the Hammer of this movie. Oh, good lord. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this. <laughs> he looks great. He's coming up on Footloose fame, but he's not quite there. Here's Immaculate. So is hers. I agree. Ba banging the but ugliest I chick at camp. That's got to count for something. <laughs> no, no, she was. No, I got to keep was, my hopes was, up, Billy. She was kind of. She was kind of cute. She was kind of cute. Listen, yeah. like you can have a fourth place team all with a winning record. Okay. <laughs> She's, she, okay. You know what? Never mind. I, I don't want to. But no, no. But think about it. She was also most willing to get into the bunk bed. Oh, okay. You look at it. Because yeah. you look at the the, the, the girl that played. The girl that said, hey, let's play Strip Monopoly, she got down to broad panties and talked about, oh, it's raining. I got to It's leave. time to go. <laughs> like, I mean, I like, what kind of shit is she started the game? As soon as it got, as soon as it got interesting, oh, oh, I'm, I'm going to get wet. I was like, oh, okay. But Didn't also, even... how many hours do you think it took them to get down to broad panties? I played Monopoly. That game goes on for days. And most yeah, importantly, yeah. it doesn't happen until somebody lands on your hotel. This isn't just like so you currency. Have to get to a point to buy a hotel, right? Exactly. Like, that takes time. like this movie the, was over the course of three years. <laughs> and then, and then, then the last, the, the the survivor girl, she didn't lose any clothes, so it must None. have been in her contract or something. Like she was just like, I'm not, I'm not. Like just take your top off. Everybody else did. She was like, no. She She's might have lost dude. her shoes. Yeah. She might have lost her shoes. We don't yeah. know. She she, yeah, she was trading articles of clothing or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> 
I remember that. I was like, she's leaving? That's it? The game's over and everybody was just cool with that shit? And Andy ain't been smoking weed? I'd have been like, oh, 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 oh. She must have come in dressed like the kid from the Christmas Story movie. Yeah. <laughs> layers on layers. That's it. <laughs> well, you know, Annie is uh, hitchhiking her way to Camp Crystal Lake because apparently after the grizzly double murder we witnessed in the cold open back in 58, they're going to reopen this thing. So in the history of movies, has there ever been a successful reopening of a camp after a murder spree? How many murder spree camp movies are there? Well, we've already done one, so... Sleepaway camp. But that one didn't reopen, to our knowledge. Uh, was there not a sleepaway camp two, three, four? I thought, yes, there was. Four. I thought that took place somewhere else. Well, Did they any, any, any movie Either where way. something bad happened is always, oh, well, you know, this was the murder house. Like, well, it won't be this time. You know, like, like anytime <laughs> something bad happens somewhere, oh, this movie theater, it was, you know, it was fine until the fire. And like, oh, well... We're going to rebuild it because we believe in it. Like, anytime you set up that premise, it's never, it's, it never ends well. I'll watch a movie, but leave the doors open. Yeah. Well, you know, Annie doesn't want to listen, you know, to the... To, to the patrons in the diner. And if you don't want to listen to the patrons of the diner where Annie stopped, well, maybe better listen to the creepy old man, best known as Crazy Ralph, when he says, you'll never come back again. Like, I missed a trivia question surrounding Crazy Ralph on the night of the 13th. It was, uh, how many characters returning from the first movie were killed in the second? And I don't want to spoil anything for the people who have not seen the, the next movie over the last, uh, you know, 40 years, but I forgot about Ralph. So, spoiler alert. Ralph lives through this one. He didn't and good for him. Two, he though. deserves it. Yeah, he, did he, deserve he was it. on point. But you know what I thought was funny about Crazy Ralph? Like, when Everything. he did show up at the camp, he did, he did some crazy, he, he showed up to warn them, but he hid in the pantry. Like, that's crazy shit. <laughs> the place like, they access the once a day. Yeah, he, he could have sat on the porch and be like, listen. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to wait until somebody needs some sort of, some sort of dry goods. And then I'll let them know. Yeah. He was probably in there from like the 10 p.m. the previous night. You know, you, you don't know. He was he was in there a long time. He probably ate some of that food before he came out. Yeah, he, he was like, I, I earned my crazy. I, you know, yeah. Well, you know what I you know, like about the beginning? The beginning. When, that uh, you didn't when, like? You know what I did like? Oh. It's how long it, like, you just had, you could just waste five minutes. They just showed her walking. She was just walking, walking to the diner. I remember thinking, like, you could just do that back then. Just, just, she's just walking. Crossing the street, there was no, no, we had to show her journey with a big ass backpack. And she turns the corner, and I was like, she's still gonna walk? And she just walked all the way down the hill into the diner. I was, I was like, yeah, you can do that. Back then, you had to set the scene. Back then, yeah. first of all, you could do that. You could walk and you could pitch, pick up hitchhikers back then. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm here yeah. to tell you, my dad, uh, my biological dad, would pick up hitchhikers like it was, uh, I, I don't know, like they were Pokemon. He did not give a fuck. Like, we would go, okay, just to, to put it in perspective, I'm on the state line of Tennessee and Kentucky, okay? And uh, my dad uh, was an older dad, so he was born in 1944. Now, we would go to these, uh, like, bluegrass festivals to, to listen to music. You know, it's what he wanted to do, wasn't what I wanted to do. It would be him and I, he and I, it would, he, and, he and me. It would be. And we would see a hitchhiker with the, the big old uh, pack on his back. He'd pull over on that shoulder of the road and he'd yell out, Hey, friend, we're going up to a bluegrass singing. If you want to hop in. That motherfucker stayed with us the whole day at this festival. Ate dinner with us. And then my dad drove him even further north than we were going to let him out at a specific uh, highway. 
And then we turned around and drove like three hours back home. But it was safe to do back then. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's why it's in the state it is now. Maybe we thought it was safe. Then people started getting killed. And now, you know, it is what it is. But moving along, we, you know, we meet a character to whom all things in the cinematic universe can be connected in one way or another. Mr. Kevin Bacon, apparently, uh, you know, a hammerish type guy. He plays Jack. But uh, with him is girlfriend Marcy, friend Ned. They're all counselors, I guess. Um, But, you know, when they arrive to camp, apparently the guy chopping wood is a a member of of the Bloods per the bandana tied around his neck. I don't know, but he's the guy with the cut-off jean shorts, made famous by Catherine Bach, a.k.a. Daisy Duke, and I'm not ashamed to say they look better on him. <laughs> That's because he's Try a true blue... What's well, he's a true blue killer. West Coast killer. Back to the introduction scenes, because that's really all these are. Uh, as soon as Daisy Duke's introduced, he introduces Alice, played by Adrian King. Um, you know, I guess Daisy Duke and Alice have a story, uh, a romantic past, if you will. So, like, that's sure to complicate yeah, things later on. Sure. Oh, yeah, he, for he sure. Took, and he, 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 he's taking a shot. He took a shot. He, yeah. He, he took a shot. She was like, like, what is it? I'm not, she was like, I'm not there or something. And he was like, okay, but he, he you could tell he'd been applying pressure. And like, yeah. look, these shorts don't get these shorts don't get much shorter. Oh. Yeah, because he said he said like if you're gonna, you he said like uh, what did he say? He was like, "You're gonna come up next summer or whatever, you know? I can get it fixed and all this stuff." And she was like, "Oh, I don't know, you know." And I'm like, Dude. "Yeah, he's trying to lay roots, man. He is trying to yeah. lay roots, but he's in charge of this camp, you know, the head counselor, you know. But if I was in charge of this camp, I'd make Annie the head counselor. You know what I mean? The head counselor. So let's take it back for a minute. Don't huff and puff at me, Casey. I know it was you." Yeah, because really? you're gross. Like, you're he's gross. from there. So he he he's from there. So for 18 years, he knew not to do that shit. Everybody yeah. he, he's, everybody else over there for work, he's from there. So year 16, he's like, I'm going to open up that cabin. They're like, don't do it. 17, don't do it. He's like, I got my money. I'm opening up the cabin. They were like, all right, motherfucker, all right. <laughs> okay. Because okay. later on, okay. Pamela Voorhees says, uh, Steve never should have reopened this place. But that's later on. But Steve yeah. don't listen. Steve don't know how to listen, apparently, because, you know, he's applying all that pressure on Alice. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was uh, like, maybe he, he dodged like, a bullet, though. No, he was like, I'm going like, to get with Shorty, even if I got to open up a whole camp. If that's what it takes, I'll reopen the camp. <laughs> Fuck them if kids. If needs a job, I'll reopen the camp. Yeah, fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, take it back for a minute, though. While the crew's all, like, at camp setting up, like, Steve drives off in his Jeep. All right, I bring this up for a specific reason. All right, we got to look at this as if we're watching for the first time. And we also got to think as if we didn't see any other Friday movie before this one. Because that's not the case for me. It's all two first and then part one. So I knew about Jason before anything else. But let's jump to the scene after Steve leaves the campground in his Jeep. Then moments later, a Jeep pulls up on, on my girl Annie and picks her up. Like, we know what happens to Annie. She's chasing the woods, murdered. So, was this supposed to be a red herring? Like, were we supposed to be, like, misdirected into thinking that Steve was behind this? Oh, I didn't know Steve was behind it. Well, you didn't because you already knew, but if you're looking at it through fresh eyes, you see him leaving that Jeep, and then a Jeep pulls up on Annie. Same color. Oh, I think I'm too stupid to connect that. You know what? That's fair, but I don't think so. If I go go back to 12-year-old me, I might have thought that, because there was no... There was no Jason. There was no, you know, I didn't know how it ended. Yeah, I just, it was one of those things where I figured it would be somebody in the camp. That's why I, I, I figured it would be somebody, like, one of these people is the killer. That's, it's that's it's impossible to make that call, though, today, yeah. because we all know who Jason is, and we, like, yeah. I guess as a trivia question, we all know the mother was the killer in uh, in the first movie, but 
having seen it for the very first time and seeing him drive off in that Jeep and then moments later that same Jeep or at least the same model, the same type of vehicle, I don't know if it's the same model, I'm I'm too stupid to, to recognize that, but seeing a Jeep pull up on Annie and then seeing what happens to her is like, that motherfucker Steve just killed Annie. So he's going to go back and kill everybody else. And then he stays, you know, conspicuously gone for, for so long as people are getting offed, you know? But yeah, I, that I don't was know. a long-ass dinner, right? He was at that diner for a long-ass time. Like 12 hours. Like, it got dark. <laughs> they got there early <laughs> morning, and it was dark. And, and, only, and he, just, <laughs> he just had coffee. She's like, that'll be two and a quarter. So he, he wasn't even buying shit. He was just sitting at the counter. Well, back then, coffee was only like a nickel. So he drank like two gallons of coffee yeah. while he was 30 there. 30 cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's R.I.P. Annie, though. Can I tell you though. something about this movie, though? Do it. So you're telling me that, like, I should have made the connection and thought it was Steve. Like, in I an definitely ideal world. did not tell you you should no, do no, anything. No, no, in an ideal world, you're saying that someone who was going into the movie would think maybe that's Steve with the Jeep. I believe well, my I mean, question maybe, was: maybe. Were we supposed to be misdirected into thinking Steve was behind this? It was a question and a fair one, I think. So I went into this movie knowing who did it. Yes, that's why I prefaced with let's no, say that you're seeing when this. when I was a kid. Okay, that your age at the because time doesn't change the no, the preface. I'm saying I knew who it was because Scream gave it away and I saw Scream first. Oh, so you wanted to work your little Scream tidbit in there. That's what that's really no, what this I'm is about. No, I was thinking because like I went into this movie knowing it was the mom, but I didn't know why. I mean, like I knew that her kid died, but I didn't know all the stuff that was going to happen at the end, you know? Her. Well, I didn't know His the name first time it was amazing. Oh my god! Now you know what? Now I'm, I, here's what I, I wonder: would it would would the payoff been a little bit bigger if they would have introduced her earlier, not 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 knowing who she was? Like like maybe if she's just one of the people in the diner, or something. You know, <laughs> at least give her people, something. Yeah, just, I think so. So because so, she just shows up as the as as the lady, and it, it was a nice twist when she you know she she, she turned that that thing where you realize who she was. But like this, she was just thrown in the middle of it. Like just this one thing, you know. As like as 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 the, as the hitchhiker comes up, kind of bumps into her. Oh, excuse me, oh, it's okay, dear. Just, just, just a little, just a little something. Yeah. You just, there, you'd be like, oh, wait a minute, what, what's this? Just like ordering some lemon pie or something. Yeah, I agree like, with that though because the the thing for this movie is I really enjoy this movie. I know. Like Billy said earlier, that if you're making a Mount Rushmore of, like, slasher films, that this is, of course, going to be on there. But the thing that takes me out of this movie is you don't get any kind of... You get, like, a little bit of buildup, but barely. It's like you see someone kill two people at the very beginning of the movie, and in passing, they mention that two teenagers died and a boy drowned. But you don't get any kind of follow-up to that part of the story until the very end. Like, we could have had an interaction, or someone could have mentioned that the mom went crazy, something. Thing. But right. wouldn't that have spilled it though? I don't. Think if somebody says the mom went crazy, like now, like it's in your head that the mom is, you know, crazy. I think and... if you heard it from like Crazy Ralph or the guy driving, like the truck driver for the hitchhiker at the very beginning, I think if someone in that had just like passed that by in very casual conversation, I don't think you would really think about it until the very end when they show it again. Because I think really, any like, mention of a crazy mom automatically tells you who's who's doing all. I just it would, wish it would tell more, me. I wish there was more lead up, I guess, in this movie. Like if I'm looking at those four franchises, this I really enjoy these movies. The second one is my favorite, and I think we've talked about that plenty. But in this one, I just wish there was something else leading up to it. That's fair. Yeah, some, 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 something when she shows up, you're like, oh, she's gonna save her. 
or in something. We where she not established, but just theme. Just this theme. At some point in the movie and, and then and then when she turns, you're like, Oh shit. Oh, she's not here to save him at all. She's actually crazy as shit. So that, <laughs> that that would that would have like I said, it was it still worked because she did turn her, her, that little fucking kid voice, that still got me. That got me fifty two years old Sunday when she did the she talked she did that little boy voice. I was like, I still got the chills. I was like, that's, that, that, that's, that's still fucking creepy. I couldn't lie. I couldn't lie. I was like, okay. And you know, oh. like 40 something plus years later, maybe, maybe what we're saying to criticize isn't really fair because it stayed with us. You know, I've, I forgot everything that happened in my bloody Valentine, but I've never forgotten Friday the 13th. So maybe, uh, maybe they did do it right. And I should just shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, we jump forward to camp again. Uh, the crew's taking a swim break. And there's nothing really here to further the story. But there's another element here that I really like. And uh, it's when we see the first person point of view. You know, the, the hand kind of pushing down the tree branches to, to look at the swimmers. Um, you know, we, we know it's the killer. We still don't know what he looks like. He. Uh, but we know it's him. You know, one of the girls in, in the water gets a scared look on her face because, you know, she sees somebody peeping at him from the woods. But when the camera cuts over the trees, you can't really tell if there's somebody there. So your eyes are scanning that TV screen and every shadow and every little space between the leaves because, you know, you know he was there and you want to be the one who saw him before the end. Like, I found myself even, you know, now, yesterday, watching this movie... When I saw that shot of the trees, I'm looking like, all right, where's the motherfucker? I don't even see him standing there. So, like, how did she see him? And, like, still, having seen this movie a hundred times, I'm still doing that. I think, uh, you know, this movie really builds anticipation. Like, I mean, Hitchcock at his best. You know, the, I could liken the, the heightened tension to anything done by Hitchcock. Or the tension, the suspense. Agreed? Disagreed? Uh, well, not. I mean, Hitchcock was different because... You know, there wasn't really body count. I, I mean, was, just the, the building of suspense. Like maybe one murder, yeah. But it was, but it, it was, it was suspenseful. It's just like, like once they started falling like dominoes, though, you knew every time they showed somebody by themselves, they were next. Like that was that, 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 that you know, the first couple. But at, next time, every time somebody's like, "Okay, I'll be right back," I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> uh, see, see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> no, you won't. Like, no, no. Every, I'll every be right back. No, you won't. Yeah. Uh, she, would, she went to brush her teeth. I'm like, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but you would have been judging her had she not brushed her teeth, Jane. No, because I think, you know, it, it was the 80s and it was the camp. You know, you, you, you kind of rough it. You, you rough it a little bit. You, know? you do. Just go sit down in that mud puddle and splash around a little bit. You're clean. Yeah. yeah. But well, you was, know, was... in my time, I've kind of grown soft. All right. And really, I don't know if I can consider it soft, but I'm talking about the scene with the snake. <sighs> You feel you too sad. Yeah. Well, the the reason I feel for the snake is because it was a real snake, and they really killed it. Like it's not a prop, and it would never fly in 2021. It wouldn't fly in 1991. It's like you wonder what that snake would be doing today. You wonder, like, yo, know, who who were his people? You know, like how were they affected? But you know. I, like watching all my life, I did think that this was probably a prop snake, and um, but but no, I mean like Friday the Thirteenth doesn't like hold back on any violence or bloodshed, but like you know most of the deaths in all the movies have been human, like you know but the death of the snake has kind of been debated for uh, a long time, like whether it was real, whether it was a prop. And Kane Hodder, who was like you know one of the the more popular guys that played Jason in I think uh, six, seven, eight, and and Jason Goes to Hell. 
like he went on record and said that like Jason harming animals and you know at least while he was in the character he didn't want it like in one instance uh he got um uh, you know Jason in, in part 8 Jason was going to kick a dog and he said no Jason wouldn't do that he only hurts human um you know but in the first film that we're watching here I mean the killer's not Jason but uh you know before any of the killings aside from the two back in 58 got started well, these fucking counselors just off with his head, you know? And, um, like, animal deaths in horror movies, like, are kind of kind of taboo, wouldn't you say? Usually, I mean, Rick yeah. didn't even want to see a dog yeah, die in a fake way on a previous movie that we did. He was more yeah, satisfied with a nine-year-old kid laying dead in the corner. I, I, yeah, I mean, I like, I, I'm a huge, uh, Billy knows this, and so does Casey. I'm a, a huge Halloween fan. I, I love those films, but in a couple of them, when Michael kills the dog, I hate it. Like, even though I know it's just a movie, I can't, you know, I can't stand it. So, are you choking up right uh, now? Yeah. What? <laughs> so are you choking you know, up right now? Really seriously, though. Like, I mean, it's taboo because anyone watching a movie that's had, like, a pet close to them, you know, something like that can imagine, yeah, like, oh, hard. that's my pet dying. Casey, you know? yep. I have children. No. Do you think... That's... What I'm saying is... It's not different. Yeah, I think it is because more people uh, have experienced the death of a pet than they have the death of a child. Yeah, I've lost two dogs in three years. So, ex- like, having experienced it doesn't make it different than the possibility of seeing, like, someone's child die on TV when I have a child sitting next to me on the couch watching this movie with me. Right, what so, I said was relatable. But we're... No, no, the word so, I used so was is, relatable. Is the, issue, is the issue that you didn't want to see a snake's death in the movie or the fact that they really killed the snake? The like, fact that they re- the fact that they really killed the like, snake. If, if, if it was confirmed that it was it was a prop, would, would it bother you that they even had the scene? Oh, absolutely so, not, okay. absolutely not. But the the dog deaths don't bother me either on on movie. You know, I, I hope they come out with a movie where they only kill dogs. Oh hell no! <laughs> well, but I mean, what? Uh, what you gonna say? Have for a second. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh, we gonna see about that. <laughs> But what you asked was, are they taboo? And I think the reason that people put that those scenes in movies is because they know that it pulls at the heartstrings. It does, but that doesn't because mean sometimes that it's... it's fun to root for the killer, right? Because sometimes, I mean, in these movies and any movies, when you're seeing a slasher movie, sometimes it's fun to root for the killer. So when a killer kills a nine-year-old kid and then it kills a four-year-old dog. If the line was that, oh, well, this one killed the the dog, so I'm going to side with this one that only killed the kid, that's a little fucked up. I'm just saying it's more relatable for people who have lost a dog. More people have lost dogs than people who have lost kids. So it's taboo in the way that it's more relatable for more people. I'm sure it's more relatable. I'm not saying a kid dying isn't sad. Of course it is. But I also don't think you see kids die as much in yeah, our movies as you King. do adults. Yeah. Stephen King will kill a kid in a minute. And everybody else will <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Stephen King will kill a toddler. And then he will bring his ass back. And he has. Yeah. 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 Stephen King, you know, I, that's why I love, love reading Stephen King. Because he's like, oh, anybody can get it. Don't 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 think that anybody here can't get can't get the business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. listen, man. Stephen King's been killing kids since before it was cool, man. Yeah, and yeah. Like, don't don't but, don't don't get attached to a kid. Has anybody heard of the film Cannibal Holocaust? Heard of it, never seen no. it. No. Seen it one okay. time. That's it. Okay. Never see it again. It sounds awful. It it's pretty terrible. Uh it came out yeah. the same year as Friday the thirteenth, okay? And uh many actual animal deaths were shown on screen. Uh including like an animal that's kind of almost like a muskrat. 
There was a turtle, uh, yep. a tarantula, a boa constrictor, uh, a monkey, and a pig. Where was all... that filmed? Was that filmed here? No, it's a, it's a, the, uh, well, the director's Italian, I know that. Um, and he had to go to court because uh, some people thought the scenes, the deaths were so real with people. And he had to go to court to literally prove that, hey, this is fake and this is how we did this shot in the movie. But the animal deaths were real. Yes. The, yeah, the animal deaths were very real. Um, yep. Now, PETA wasn't just like readily, you know, a, you know, available to jump up and, you know, defend, you know, these animal, you know, rights. So, I mean, it, it just kind of flew. Um, but like, they didn't have that type of shit on the set of Friday the 13th. Like, like this, uh, you know, death happened and it basically got swept up under the rug. Um, you know, th- this scene, you know, is where Alice discovers a snake in, you know, her cabin, calls her friends to help. Um, Bing Crosby's kid runs in, he's got the, the machete, cuts the damn thing's head off. And, uh, like, like, like it wasn't even integral to anything. Was it just one of those you, you know what? It's just in the script. We'll, we'll just have this scene. Like, it, it didn't lead to anything. It it, it, it didn't come up again. It was just, it was just, they just threw it in. It's like, it's like he wanted to kill a snake. He was it's like, like he... I'll make the movie, but I'm going to kill a snake. <laughs> well, what, what does it have to do with the story? Zero. Absolutely it, nothing. If you yeah, want me in this movie, I'm yeah. killing a snake. <laughs> it's in my the most content. innocent keep, snake. Keep, keep your money. Let me kill a snake. <laughs> well, you know, you said that it doesn't add anything to the story. There's one thing. And I'm going to go back to my point with Steve, you know, driving the Jeep. Um, Once Bill, uh, Bing Crosby's kid, uh, cuts off the head of the snake, he kind of takes the machete and, like, puts it up on his shoulder. And he makes this, like, blank stare. You know, he, he he's carrying the machete around like he, uh, like he would a Louisville slugger. And, um, you know, he has this really blank stare on his face. So one's got to wonder, uh, does this make Bill out to be a possibility if we don't already know? Could you see that happening? No, no. Because wasn't he like the first one? No. Bill was one of the last ones. In fact, you don't even see Bill die in this one. He's the one that's hanging on the door and has got the arrows stuck through him. Oh, right, right, right. He was the guy playing this, this strip. He, he was playing strip poker. Right, 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 right strip right, poker. Right, right. Strip Monopoly. Yeah. Right, exactly. But, uh, you know, when, when the police officer on his bike comes to warn the counselors of Crazy Ralph, it kind of casts an eerie shadow on him as well. Um, so we got three prime candidates and not only that, but you know, he's just hanging out in the food pantry, like you said, and he scares Alice, the crew comes running in, but they didn't fucking chop his head off. Now, did they? Well, it's, it's sundown on Camp Crystal Lake. Kevin Bacon's working on his night moves, much to, uh, Casey's enjoyment, but you know, Ned's mad cause he can't, well, I'm just, Hey, I'm just throwing it out there. I want facts out there on the table for everybody to make judgment on but uh our boy ned who was driving the truck earlier with uh jack and was it marcy uh yes did i make up that name okay yeah marcy well ned's mad because he can't have a you know a menage a three with him so uh he he walks off on his own for you know the first time i think we see a figure an actual figure watching him from the front deck of a cabin so it's a figure which ned follows into the cabin we just saw ralph he rode off on his bike um is he public number? Uh, is he public enemy number one at this point? We've disqualified Bill. Steve's elsewhere. Well, Steve could be back, I guess. So I mean, I, nobody's disqualified for me at this point. I, my main guys, if if I'm thinking logically and I don't know anything, Steve, Ralph, and Bill. Yeah, I, I don't like even. I, I'm trying to remember. Like I said, it was, you know, damn near forty years ago. But I don't remember playing in my head. It might be one of these guys. Like I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember it's doing so that. I, I, I think, it's so hard. It's so hard to play that just, game. I think I was just taking it all in. Like I, I think I was just taking it all in because one, uh, 
they were being watched when they were swimming, right? So almost everybody was there except Steve. But I, I really, I don't remember playing the process of, of elimination. I don't. I don't. I don't like I, if I think back on it, I didn't look for clues. I didn't think like maybe it was a truck driver in the beginning. But but remember, but like I said, this was before everybody had access to horror movies. So there was no, there wasn't, pre- there wasn't rules. There wasn't the, you see this, this is going to happen. This was brand new. So I, I think I just went in wide-eyed and was just watching everything happen. Just what happens, happens. Yeah, I, I was 12. I wasn't I wasn't that smart, to be honest. I wasn't, I wasn't one of those smart 12-year-olds you hear about. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I have heard about know, them. Yeah, I, I was kind of goofy. Like, matter of fact, when the movie was over, my mom asked me to go out into her car to get cigarettes, to get her cigarettes. And I opened the door, and they showed a Halloween night on NBC. So I opened the door, and just like in the movie, the wind is blowing through the, the, the trees, the leaves rolling. And I thought, this is, I lived in, I lived in this small town in Texas at the time. I really thought that of all the places Jason could go, he would go to this little town in Texas to kill me <laughs> that was 100 miles away from any fucking lake. <laughs> so that was not even, uh, you know, so I, I remember thinking, and it wasn't even Jason back then. I thought, and now we saw the mother get her head cut off. But I was just like, somebody, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to reach. And I had the keys. I, it was like in the movie. I, I was fumbling. I couldn't get the key in. It's like, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get killed. And I grabbed the cigarettes and I dropped them on the, the bottom of the car. It was just like, and I ran in and I put my back against the door. And it was like, ooh, I made it. I remember that. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's so not that unrealistic. Oh, oh. When, when you believe that that, 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 that that evil is around you, your, your mind will tell you that it's happening. Yeah, so we like, can't you know say what? shit about the the people that like can't pick up the keys and start the car and and unlock the door or lock the door. We can't say oh, shit about them. I think most people most people aren't most people don't know how to be chased well because you don't have any experience. Being chased is something that happens rarely. Like if you're lucky, it never happens. But if I was somebody came in this apartment right now and started chasing me, I don't think I'd make all the smart decisions. Like I know where all the weapons are if I could get to them, but I'm not ready for it. I'm here. I'm here talking about. That horror movie, somebody came in with an axe, I'd freak out and do something stupid. Well, you know, it gives me, like, great pleasure to uh, be able to hide somewhere and jump out and scare somebody. And <laughs> there's uh, there's one person in present company that I've done that to that I only did, did it to him, you know, once or twice and learned my lesson. Uh, James, I just wonder if... Uh, or JB, I just wonder if you still got that gorilla suit. No, it's gone. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, oh, he got you back. Well, he he got me like in the moment. There, there wasn't even, didn't, we didn't have to wait to get me back. It was like in the moment. It's like, uh, you know, bouncing off the ropes and you get caught in that spine buster. Like I hit up under his bed with a gorilla mask on and I seen his big old feet, you know, flopping through his bedroom. I stuck out and I said, ah, and man, I got nothing but heels. In in my in my head, he stomped me out, and yeah, never again. You know, I, yeah, unless yeah, I'm he, standing. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't playing that shit. He was like, okay, no, uh, nope, that's nah, the day. Nah, <laughs> if, if I can't be standing up and, and stand behind something, I'm not gonna do it. So you know, yeah, he, brown shows he, no mercy. He, he was like, today is not the day that a gorilla. <laughs> Killed me from under my bed. Not today. <laughs> well, see, his mom did it first, though. Like, we were asleep. And, you know, when you're little kids, you know, you don't care if you're sleeping in the same bed. Of course, we, you know, we did it until we were 35. But the thing is, his mom st- sticks her head in the, in the door with the, the mask on. And I look, I'm looking over at James and, like, he hides up under the covers. Like, that's going to help from a gorilla. And I turn and I look and my heart just stopped. 
Like it didn't, it skipped like three or four beats. So I, I might have like a, what do you call like a heart murmur because of that moment. I don't even think it's a heart murmur. I'm, I'm pretending I know like medical terms. Palpitation? Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I drank a palpitation earlier and <laughs> I still, still got some, but, uh, arrhythmia. there you go. Yeah. Uh, that, that all sounds correct to me, but, uh, you know, right now we've got a craze killer's delight, like two folks going to pound town. Over in one cabin, one dude alone in another cabin. You got three by the fireplace playing strip monopoly. Uh, one of them's off campsite. Like these guys are just asking to die. Okay, and I had subtitles on. And uh, at one point, I saw the word thunder claps. And like looking at that cantaloupe squeeze Marcy put on Kevin Bacon's ass, I don't think it was the thunder clapping fam. I think it was Jack. <laughs> it was Jack clapping Marcy. You know. Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, once again, as predicted, they're dropping like flies, man. Marcy goes to pull all that bacon batter out of her fur coat. It's revealed that Ned was up Yay. on the bed. What? That is horrible. I bacon, hate bacon. that. Well, you know what? Bacon batter is better than bacon dripping. It is. <laughs> <sighs> He, he, he Listen, it was, 19, it was 1980. Horrible. It was 1980. You know she had a fur coat. <laughs> well, it's revealed that Ned was getting that bird's eye view of that wrestling match they were having, but he did. I was going to say, was he? <laughs> Here's oh, he my was, question. Here's my question. Did he just walk in there by himself and just lay in the top bunk? Or, well, did, or, 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 or did he get killed? Is he, and like The superhuman woman killed him. And then, like, who, who just goes and, lay, and lays in the top bunk? I, I do want to know the order of operations here, man. I do want to know the order of operations. Part of me, part of me thinks that because he was looking at him from afar and was kind of jealous, he was going to go and kind of hide on that top bunk and watch him get after. Creep. Him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with yeah. the creep factor. And uh, then uh, killer comes in, takes care of him, leaves him dead. That's the whole thing, though. So, so, so a, a woman walks in and he just sits there like, "Hey, what's up?" But she gets closer. He, he doesn't. Like, she was the first I, I was, one I was, in. I was, I was, oh, so she was. Like, well, so she moved, but she'd have to know that they were going to go there. How would she know that? Well, she, she was taking a sleep. Well, she was. She was following Ned. She was watching him from the front porch. If he didn't go in that cabin, she was just going to follow him even further, probably. But he came into the cabin. She posted up somewhere and probably got him. Fireman's carry threw him up on top of you know the top bunk. I don't know. You know what? He he, he might have dozed off. You know what, he, he might have dozed off. I, I'll give him that. Maybe, maybe he laid in there the way and dozed off. And he's like, oh, this is easy. This, this is easy. I, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But, you know, Jack, uh, he takes the dive next with what's probably the best visual kill in the movie. You know, he, he's lying in bed, you know, waiting with Mars or waiting for Marcy. He's smoking drugs, Casey. And before, like, there's a hand on his forehead holding him down and an arrow coming through his neck from the underside. Rick, how'd they do this kill? It seemed too real. That's, that's, that. no, it seemed unreal. What's the logistics? How? That's, yeah, what are the logistics, right. Rick? You, you uh, laying under, you, you laying under, uh, under a bed and you reach out and you, you, uh, like, how do you, how, how? All right. so, Rick's got the info. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might have done it because he had the eight-foot wingspan. That's Roger Murdoch. But, but how, how are you under the bed, up over the top, right here, and then, and then you're still under the bed. You can't see, and you come right through the neck. Like, that's, 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 
for somebody who had never killed till that day, pretty good. <laughs> we don't know that. We didn't see the practice runs. Oh, yeah. There might have been some practice runs. No, no, no. Cause they, they would have talked about it in the diner. <laughs> then in 1972, you know. True, yeah, you, true. You remember what happened to Stacey? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, the Rick, this was... This was one of uh, Tom Savini's better kills, Rick. So what did he do to put this thing together? Uh, so it's actually pretty pretty interesting, pretty complicated. Uh, so Kevin Bacon was lying on the bed, and from his chest up is a fake chest. It's made out of a mold. It's made out of um, – it was some type of, uh, you know, not plaster, but some type of rubbery material. Tom Sabini has a um, first he has sheep's blood and then he has a syringe and apparatus with a pump on the end yep. to pump that through the fake chest of Kevin Bacon when he gets the arrow pushed up through his neck. But what happened was when Tom Sabini was pumping it, the pump got stuck and he had to literally blow with his mouth to force the sheep blood up through Kevin Bacon's neck. And that's why you see all that blood because it got stuck and Tom Sabini had to blow with his mouth to make that happen. You keep saying so, blow with his mouth. Yeah, like he, it was a tube. The fake blood was in a tube. He had to blow with. <laughs> what alternative does he have if he doesn't use his mouth? In the eighties, sometimes you could ass blow or you could mouth blow. That was the eighties. So, okay, so I was born in eighty two. Yeah, I was born in eighty two. So like ass blowing had already like phased out <laughs> by the time. I had learned about it. Yeah, so. I, I think if you go back to like Boris Karloff, they, 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 you know, they, everybody, they, oh, he was an ass blowing fool. Oh, yeah. Boris was an ass blowing fool. Everybody knows that. The king of ass blow. Yeah, no, no, that, that, was, that was a great kill, but I thought about it later on. Like, how in the hell, no, after you saw who it was, I was like, how did she do that? She was late there. Well, listen, man, she, she's kind of bulky, man. Like, that upper body ain't all sweater, you know? She's she's gonna have a tough time with that. She ain't got those no. Chamberlain arms, those Doctor J arms. That was a good one because I, I forgot about good. it until I thought. I was like, that, that was that was a good that was a good kill. That was but yeah. Was I mean, because Marcy yeah. gets the axe to the face next, and uh, you know that one wasn't that bad. They I think they use a styrofoam axe and put it on her real face as opposed to you know having a fake face with a real axe through it. You know, but if you're keeping count, like that's Annie, a snake, Ned, Jack, and now Marcy. Five of them dead. They're falling, you know, dropping them like flies. And then Steve Christie, he's the head counselor. He'd been off site. Bill's playing strip monopoly. First timers couldn't possibly know the killer here. We've disqualified everybody that could be disqualified. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not long before Steve is cleared, you know, because we find him at the diner on his 30th cup of coffee and like later stuck in the rain, you know, being picked up by an officer to be taken back to camp. Um, Bill definitely didn't kill Ned. So, uh, I mean, that doesn't leave crazy Ralph. Um, I don't know. We got no evidence against him. He's not driving a vehicle. He's riding a bike. So that disqualifies him from the Jeep from earlier. Um, we don't know it yet, but later when Steve's riding with the officer, he mentions Ralph's cra- uh, Ralph's wife was a nervous wreck until they got home. First of all, that motherfucker's married. <laughs> That's what I'm There's saying, There's for everyone. Yeah, that, that made me feel bad about myself. Like, <laughs> he, he, he can keep a woman? I can't. I'm not crazy at all. Ralph is legitimately crazy, and he looked like he didn't smell that great. Oh, you know he didn't smell great, but, she, you know, she's been with that. him. She's been with him since he was perplexed, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, it went from befuddled to perplexed to <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, and, you and know, she stayed with him and worried about him when he wasn't at home. Who worries about him? Who worries oh. about Ralph? I don't know. Someone She's probably to. crazier than him. She's probably crazier than him, though, Casey. You, know, you don't know. 
You, you can't know. But, you know, Brenda's the I next to take know. the diet. I mean, and here's the part that really threw me. Like, Brenda's in bed ready to do some nighttime reading. Thank goodness for the subtitles because I don't think I've ever heard this when I watched in the past. But a girl's voice yells, help me. And when Brenda goes outside, like, we can both hear it. I, I hear it, you know, plain as day. But I did not hear it in the bed. But... Brenda finds herself in the middle of the archery range, and that's not a place where you want to be when there's a killer on the loose. So Bill and Alice, uh, they you know set out to search for Brenda, who you can hear screaming in the distance, uh, but they can't get far because nobody has a running vehicle around there. And just like that, the one who could be suspected all along, Steve, he's dead. As soon as he's back, you know they're waiting on him at the at the Crystal Lake sign. So the suspects have all been vetted at this point, and we're we're zero for three with three strikeouts. And what's Alice do? The most sensible thing. She takes a fucking nap. A fucking yeah. nap. I guess the rain put her to sleep. It does me. At, at the time, she didn't know anybody was dead. Dead. She was, you know. But yeah, she 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 did that. She did that. She did that. That bullshit. Half-hearted. You want me to go with you? <laughs> no. She's quick to say okay. You want me to go with you? Like no, you you can stay here. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call an empty gesture. It's like, hey, you want me to help you pick that up? Then it, nah, I got it. All right. You want me to go with you? Nah, it's okay. Okay, I'm going to take a nap. I guess to wake up, though, she starts making coffee, and there's a scene where, like, literally the whole process of coffee making is done right there in this one uncut scene. But this is where the shit hits the fan. Like, Alice is out looking for Bill, and she finds him hanging on a door by some arrows, stuck in him like he's a pincushion. You know, Brenda's body comes flying through the window, and shit is just not good until help finally arrives in the form of a new character named Mrs. Voorhees. So we see a Jeep in the dark of night, fucking Jeep. So you gotta know if you're watching. So you gotta know if you're if you're an adult. Like I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as a kid, I'm, I'm not putting two or two together. I, I, I just, yeah, I was like, okay. And one, and, and I'll say this, and this says something about the generation. No way when that movie started. But I believe that a woman could do all that killing. That's how, you know, and they knew that. they I, that, I, that was a smart play. Not in 1983, you're not thinking that. Yeah, you think of, you think of a killer, oh, it's, it's, it's this guy. You know what? Charles Manson, this and that. Ted, but it's a guy. Guys guys do all the killing. Guys are the serial killers. So that, that was a nice twist. That, that, all right, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, Maybe the I fact that like, it was such a twist is what, what hooked me. I don't know. But, I mean, really what hooked me was part two. But this one, I went back and I was not disappointed at all. But we see a clean-cut mom, a straight-laced mom, like June Cleaver, uh, you know, Doris Day-type actress. And, you know, she's the knife-wielding, you know, killer. But I got this teed up, so let's go ahead and listen to this iconic scene. Oh, my Lord. So young, so pretty. What monster could have done this? Bill's out there. Oh, this place. Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble here. Did you know that a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working the day that it happened, preparing meals. Here, I was the cook. Jason should have been watched every minute. He was... He wasn't a very good swimmer. We can go now, dear. I think we should wait for Mr. Christie. Oh, that's not necessary. I don't understand. I am Jason. I am. You see? 
see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? Not after what happened. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. You let him drown. You never paid any attention. Look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. Betsy Palmer, y'all. Stage actress with a who was a squeaky clean performer, kind of a, again the Doris Day type, and here she is in this dirty, grimy, low budget film that she took on because she needed a new car. Legit, she her Mercedes crapped out on her. She wanted to buy this other car, and somebody called her with the script. She read it and said the script sucks, but it's gonna get me this new car. So she took it. No, and she did the most with it. She did the most. She did the most with it. Like yeah, yeah, like, you, like I said, the voice. You, 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 you don't. That wasn't in the script. It may be in the script to talk like a kid, but when she, when she did it, oh mommy, oh. I was like. Oh, oh man, shit. you know what? Yeah. And I got a few thoughts on that. You know, like you know, it's it's her son who drowned back in '57, leading her Pamela Voorhees to take revenge on some carefree and careless in her eyes counselors in '58. Uh, she's the reason Camp Crystal Lake is you know known as Camp Blood. And after the last counselor who sought to reopen the camp in this film's present day, guys, what do you make Betsy Palmer here? I mean, to me, she's she's iconic in this role. Fucking me. iconic, Rick. Be- because. Because the first time I saw this, I didn't know it was her. And that twist, I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Oh, so you did uh, see I this did with fresh eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did not see it coming. I saw it when I was 10 years old. So this was the first one you saw. You didn't see you didn't see any of the, the part two and up, the Jason movies, nope. before you saw this I one. Saw the, yeah, I saw the, saw the original. You lucky bastard. I know. Because now you can recall that memory. Yeah. You're always going to be, be able to recall that memory. Yeah, think about this, Billy. Like, like the next day at school... This is, you know, how the next day at school, all the kids were talking about Friday the 13th without mentioning Jason. Probably in the only the only time in history that that, that that that's all we talked about. Did you see it? Did you watch it? That movie was crazy, and, and Jason had nothing to do with it except for his little cameo at the end. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then right. it was like the kid. It wasn't. Remember, yeah, it was just like, oh, that was a crazy ending where this yeah. little and then, hairless and then that kid deformed just out of the kid. Water. It wasn't like Jason was a brand at the time. No, like, they probably called the him the kid. kid. Out of the water. Yeah, I know I did. I wouldn't remember that name the next day. Damn. Yeah. I wasn't that mm. bright, though. That was that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like, I got to talk about, you know, seeing, like, this scene, like, the, the chase scene at the beginning of part two, okay? So what a lot of the Friday the 13th were going to do, um, you know, following this one, is the first few minutes of the next movie will be the ending of the previous movie. So when you watch part two, you're going to see from the, the moment Pamela arrives to the moment she's killed, and then part two proceed, okay? There's a scene where it's kind of like a, you know a, a flashback, or at least it looked like a flashback to me. You see only like from the, the, the mouth down, and it's saying, kill her, mommy. Kill her. She can't hide. There's no place to hide. Well, me watching part two first, I'm thinking, oh, that's Jason telling his mother to kill this kill this woman. But when I watch part one, no, not at all. 
Pamela's having this Norman Bates type thing going on where she is, you know, playing the part of Jason. She's verbally saying the word. This isn't just somebody in her head, which it is somebody in her head talking to her, but she's living it out. And that's something that a lot of people miss, especially if they only watch Friday the 13th for Jason and never backtrack to the original. She was, um, she put forth a performance that with just one, one role, she's in the horror movie elite. She'll never be taken out of that. She is horror movie elite. Casey, you agree? Sorry, I was on mute. I do agree with that. And I have a question to pose. Pose it. So I keep seeing, oh, I will. I keep seeing mostly on Twitter um, memes and it will say, I've seen two now. And they say, my favorite genre of horror movie is good for her. And it shows movies like, I don't know, Gone Girl, Jennifer's Body, Carrie, stuff like that. Like female driven revenge memes. Mm-hmm. Does this classify as a good for her movie? Um, I'll say no because none of the people involved had anything to do with what happened to her kid. Okay, it was it wasn't payback. Like the, the the two like the two like the two counselors who she killed. Here's the thing though. So so are we saying that she killed the first two? But then that's it. She didn't kill anybody else. Oh, the like first two young. back in '58. Yeah, she was young in '58 though. Later on, she's like, you know what? Kill everybody. That, that's why it I'm ain't out of my that. system. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they were singing a song. I didn't want to interrupt because I was young. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't believe in myself as a murderer, but now I know. Next well, time, you know, it, it could have been one of those things where, like, listen, I'm going to send a message by killing two people, and, like, I'm going to leave it alone after that. And yeah, then if I'll, they try... I'll poison the water, uh, I'll poison the water a couple years later, and then that should be enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And But Christy wants to come back and reopen it permanently. Nah, fam, it's time to... Yeah. It's, it's time to take him to town now. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the final few seconds here. Just as in the uh, initial kill, you know, the, of the two teenagers, you know, in back in 58, that slow motion shot again, Alice picks up the machete after being chased all over creation. Alice picks up the machete and slow motion just stumbles over to, to Betsy Palmer, to Pamela Voorhees, and takes her head off with one shot, probably the most iconic kill of of this movie ending it you know or at least ending the horror that that she knew on that night so we move forward though into this lake scene this was not even in the script for most of the actors when they auditioned um when this this nightmare is over we have a scene that well it's, it's not really clear if it's a dream in her head or a reality but alice is on the lake in a canoe the water's motionless we hear this beautiful piano piece uh, the cops have shown up, and she's safe. And suddenly, out of the water comes your boy, this filthy, disfigured boy, to take you know, Alice from behind and pull her underneath the water. Dude, scared oh. the shit out of me when I saw it the first time. The scared only the thing, shit out if, of me. if I had a time machine, I would go back just to hear what sound I made. <laughs> For real. I know, I know, even like when I watched it Sunday, when I knew it was coming, I could feel like, oh, I can't imagine. I know I squealed. I know there's no way I didn't scream or jump. There was this, I, I wish, I, there was one thing I wish there was a video of, of my reaction to that the first time I saw it. Because I, I, I must have screamed and jumped up, and, and there's no way. There's no way I, I calmly, like, oh, that's crazy. Now, so you may not even have made a sound. You may not have even made a sound. Like, a color may have just, like, jumped out of your mouth. Like, it just I know, something I know, that's not even 
natural. Whatever sound I made, I disappointed my granddaddy. I well, know he was that. disappointed he, well he, before that. He, he, You're too he big like, to be scared. Like, too big to be squealing like that. <laughs> too big to be screaming like that, boy. I, Again, yeah, not too I, old. I, that 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 scared. That was. I, I can't think of another another scene that scared me like that. The end of Carrie, which is the same kind of vibe. Which is what that scene was brain. brought in for. Yeah, like that, 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 that's the, you know, that, that, that last thing when you think it's over and then bam, like, yeah, that was, that, that got me. That was, that was one of the scariest scenes I think I've ever seen. But well, you know, they kind of repeat that. Com- Go ahead. Carrie is such a good comparison because when I was reading about this movie and looking into this movie, um, Sean Cunningham said that he wanted something that was more to it, some kind of ending scare. And with Carrie just having come out a few years, four years before this, I think maybe, they said they wanted to do something at the end that kept you captivated and kept you scared like Carrie did. Right, that was the blueprint. They were right, they were, they were, they were right on point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know what? I, and I think that, I think that without that scene, maybe there is a part two and maybe there is all, all everything after that. But we don't know that scene. If you know, I'm picturing people walking out of the theater because I was too young. But I'm picturing people walking out of that theater saying, "Holy shit!" Like, like it's almost like that. That scene right there, it, it sends you out on a high note of, of fear, and you're like, you know what? And you, in the next day, you're telling people, "No, you got to go see this Friday 13th, man. Scariest shit I've ever seen." Because because that scene was so so unexpected. And I, I think it set the stage and the buzz when somebody said, "You know what? Let's, uh, producers want to make another one." Now, like, I've seen people go out of, like, the, the oddest movies, like, clamoring for a sequel. I'm pretty sure somebody that I know walked out of, uh, you know, the end of Titanic and said, oh, there's going to be a part two. There's going to be a part two of Titanic. <laughs> I guarantee you. But this scene probably got people hyped for a part two, even though it wasn't even in the question. And, like, even in the, you know, it, it wasn't something they were planning on. Right. They didn't plan on this movie being successful. No, it's one of those things where if it makes his money back, fine. Because remember, there, there was there was no there was no video. There was it was like you know if if it makes our money back, then then it's just it, it's good enough for us. Oh yeah, it's just one of those things where it just worked out. But yeah, that scene was was huge. Well, we're gonna leave you with the final mm-hmm. words spoken from Friday the Thirteenth, and this is just the scene that we're talking about. Uh, and going forward, but first I, I want to get. Oh, by all means, JB. Why is it called Friday the Thirteenth? Well, Sean S. Cunningham, who you know directed this movie, he saw Halloween and he said, "Okay, they've got a clamp on Halloween because like it's the perfect name of a movie. Like now, every Halloween can be celebrated by watching Halloween." And he said, "Well, I think I could make a movie." with Friday the 13th. He saw the name of the TV show. The TV show had nothing to do with the movies, obviously, but he said that is an excellent name. He just liked the name Friday the 13th as a, am I looking for counterpart? Um, Like maybe an antithesis to Halloween. So they may have Halloween, which comes once a year, but we're going to have Friday the 13th, which comes every so often. And it's still just like this uber crazy name, like super eerie. But now it's his, and that's just why he went with it. Completely new story, nothing to do with the TV show. Did it happen on Friday the 13th? So yeah, I, I think don't, it does. I, I, think, I think they mentioned it somewhere. And like it's, it's Jason's birthday. Friday. Yeah, it says June 13th when we open and get into things. Correct. And it is also Jason's birthday. But I think they made it that way because of the name. Because of the name. 
they didn't like take the name because that's the date they chose. You know what I mean? Does does that make sense? I wonder. I wonder culturally, and I guess I have to ask somebody older than me. I wonder culturally if people treated Friday Thirteenth the way we do now, like in nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine. I'm pretty sure that there are pockets of people that's like, oh, it's a bad luck day. But but I think within five years, Friday Thirteenth became. If you were in school, Friday Thirteenth, everybody had this. This it was like the full moon. Yeah. I wonder if, if the movie had a bigger effect on how it impacted, you know, society at large. It, 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 it had to, it had to put like this, it had to be good for sales. Oh, it had to be great for sales, man. Yeah. And yeah. but I mean, this movie doesn't disappoint. It's, it's not just a, it's just not, you know, a, a clever name like a, a, you know, a rose by any other, you know, name you know, smells whatever. This movie's fucking scary. Call it Friday the Thirteenth, or call it you know Valentine's Day. It's fucking scary, and it stands up. Scary, What'd you say, James? You know what else is scary? Oh God, let's hear it. Bigfoot. James. James. I know you. You've been holding on to your little PSA all day. I don't want to hear another goddamn word about Bigfoot. Is it too late to say Bigfoot is real? It's never too late, James. James, this is your podcast, man. You bring it up whenever you want to. Well, if you're listening right now, look out the window. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, here's the one last thing I'll say that I did notice that Friday Thirteenth, because you know the genre hadn't really been created yet. This was this was before they had one black cast member who would get killed right away. Oh this yeah, was before that started happening. I, I remember that. I was like, you know what? This is kind of nice. It wasn't that one. That one black person who would say something like, man, y'all are crazy. I ain't scared of nobody. And then they get killed up 18 times away. So that, that was nice. That was nice. I don't so think. In five years, you can have a movie without that one character who's like, yeah, they're going to they're, they're gonna get killed. Fuck up. I don't think there was a black person in a Friday the 13th until part five. I could be wrong. I, I may be spacing on part four, but I think it's the guy with the jerry curl in part five who uh, Reckless was his uh, little brother. You know, he's in the outhouse. And he's, ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. You remember? I'm going to get Reggie, you, bitch. Reggie's brother. Fucking, yeah, Reggie's brother. I can't remember Reggie's brother's name, but man, he's like, that's, that's my funny. favorite couple in all of the movies because they just like, you know, they fuck with each other like that. But yeah. guys, let me get your final thoughts on this masterpiece of a film. JB, get it started. This movie was terrible. James, I'm tired of your negativity. I know you love it. It scared me, man. It scares me now. <laughs> I can't even go out in the woods. <laughs> James, it's too hot for all that shit anyway. Rick, give us your thoughts. Uh, I mean, it's it, to me, it's it definitely a classic slasher. Uh, I would say top ten for sure. You think this individual one is a top ten? Yes, because mm. it opened Man, up. It heart. opened up. It opened up so much to, to everything else after it. Yeah, building off of Halloween, this one <clears> was <throat> the the perfect, uh, I guess, successor. I don't want to call it a successor because it didn't really take over anything, but right. it, it it really gave us an alternative. Like if if I'm not really digging. You know, uh, Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers, man, I'm always going to have, you know, Friday the 13th. You know, you, you know, even, uh, you know, even Joe Frazier had a left hook. His right hook didn't get all the knockout. So, Casey? I will say that part two is probably an all-time for me. This one I really enjoy, and I think it's a really, like, fun, great movie, and obviously it spawned, I think, one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. I want to say it's the most if you don't count Freddy versus Jason. I want to say I read that somewhere. I might be wrong, though. But it's important for a reason, obviously. 
They're very fun movies. I do have a question, though. And, Billy, I feel like you'd be the one to know. How many Jason movies are there? Because it's 12. 12. Yeah, pretty sure there are 12. Um, I think I remember the 13th one being the one that they scrapped because of the the legal battle, which I'm not like. I think it's over now. Um, At least that's something that I read. And I I also read that Corey Feldman was kind of down to be, uh, you know, to, to reprise his role as Tommy Jarvis. And I would be 1,000% down with that. Um, but, I mean, if we talk about 1 through 8, and then uh, we've got Jason Goes to Hell, and then you'll want to count Jason X, and then Freddy versus Jason, and then you've got that 2000 and, what was it, 8? 2008 remake or reboot? Mm-hmm. And then there was nothing beyond that. So, yeah, that's that's number 12. Hoping I will for say number 13. I saw, I saw Jason Takes Manhattan in Times Square opening opening weekend. That, 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 I, I did, I was 20... 2021 and that that wasn't that was an experience and i will say that that was that was an experience because that's the only that's the only movie i ever saw at a theater the only the only fight there was in manhattan and it was we laughed it, that one was campy but it was an experience it was a little silly but man don't tell me you didn't get goosebumps when uh fucking julius is rocking his body up on that rooftop and oh, he just yeah, punched, no, no, he punches himself oh, yeah. out and but man julius was throwing hands and nobody had ever done that with jason before <laughs> that's true that's true yeah nobody yep. ever stood up and just like squared up with jason and man he he took him to town until he you know until jason put that rope of dope on him and <laughs> showed him why he's the greatest <laughs> well alexander give me your uh your final thoughts on friday the 13th all right here's my final thought and and one i'm i'm really glad that i got to watch this again because one like i said uh you know like for me you know that was my introduction but i, I wasn't really like oh, like i wasn't fanatical about horror but, but that movie the first the first nightmare on elm street like i i remember those movies that scared the halloween i remember how it scared the shit out of me it's been a while since you know something scared me like you know there are, there are movies there are movies now that have frightening scenes you know now everything is like you know the camera was all of a sudden somebody's on the ceiling and they just drop down on you. Of course, that's 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 creepy. But this one is scared me, and, and, and I was glad because it took me back. I, I, it took me back. I remembered a lot of a lot of stuff from that time that I'd forgotten about. I forgot about my grandfather saying I was too big to be scared. I, you know, I, I forgot. I forgot about when I had to go run to the car for the cigarettes. I, I forgot how it, how the next day we were all talking about it because it was this thing that we all saw collectively. And it was like, okay, now there's this new thing. There's this new kind of scary movie that we, that, we, that that's our generation. And then you know, from from there all the way through high school and forward, like we we knew about it. It's like it's like we were on the ground floor. So it was it was cool. And and, and I was so I liked it to the point. And and now listen, you guys talk about the second one. I want to watch it. I want to watch the second one because now I want to see the introduction to Jason because it it just it just it just took me it just took me back. So it was it was, it was, it was really cool. So I, Sunday. I I started watching it like let me watch this so I'm up to date. But halfway through, I was enjoying it. I was laughing, but I was still like, all right, let's go, let's 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 let's, 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 let's see what happens here. But it was, so yeah, I I think I, it's on the Mount Rushmore only because you know if if not for Friday the 13th, how many of your favorite franchises would never happen? It, it had a bigger impact. It had a bigger impact than Halloween. You think so? Because the, because the sequels were better. Well, it's almost I, I like. You know, people always say that, uh, the, I guess to put it in perspective, I listen to some, some history podcasts and one that I listened to is by a guy named Dan Carlin. And he argued that the most important person that shaped the modern world, um, 
in history was a guy that a lot of people don't know named Gavrilo Princip. And the reason he is so important is because he's the reason there is there was a World War II. And why? Because he was the reason there was a World War One. Well, Halloween was probably World War One. Maybe Friday the thirteenth was World War Two. And to me, you know, two was always a little more interesting. So I'm a big fan of Friday the 13th. I will always be a fan of Friday the 13th. So I'm going to go ahead and give this thing uh, a send home for my man, my mellow, James Alexander, for Final Girl Casey, for the Memphis Menace Rick, for the Godfather of Droll James. I am Billy Graves. This was the Slashers and Screamers podcast. We Wait a minute. What am I doing, guys? We didn't even say what we're going to watch next week. Rick, don't sit say, on that shit. You rat-faced <laughs> bastard. <laughs> All right. What so, are we watching next uh, week, Rick? We're doing another slasher film. Uh, came out in 1981. Ooh. It's called Madman. Madman. Yes. Where are we going to uh, find Madman? It is on Tubi. It is on Pluto TV. It is on Amazon Prime. You said Tubi. I'm in. Yeah. Looking for Madman. 1981. Guys, you heard him. Listen. Uh, watch Madman. We're going to talk about it next week. Join us on the Slashers and Screamers podcast, and we will catch you down the road. In the Rams Valley. It's all right now, Alice. It's all over. Things over. All over. Your folks are on the way out. Is anyone else alive? Are they all dead? Yes, ma'am. Two of my men pulled you out of the lake. We thought you were dead, too. Do you remember very much? The boy. Is he dead, too? Who? The boy, Jason. Jason? In the lake, the, the one who attacked me, the one who pulled me underneath the water. Ma'am, we didn't find any boy. But then he's still there.